Wahiguru ji ka khalsa, Wahiguru ji ki fateh. Welcome to the first episode of Ask Canadian 6 in 2022. We have an exciting show. We're going to take a look at what the World Sikh Organization did, some of our highlights from 2021. We're going to look at key Sikh Canadian political moments. And we're going to look ahead to 2022 and talk about what's what we think are going to be big sick issues in the coming year and what we hope to see in terms of successes from the community. We have our co-host from Edmonton, Harmon Condola. Harmon, how is Edmonton doing? Uh, it's always frigid in Edmonton, so I'm, I'm coming all the way from a, a nice deep freeze. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, we had uh, Toronto is not so bad. We had some snow but it's all melted now so um whenever it's safe to do so someday we're gonna do this podcast in person and you'll you'll fly out here and you'll i'll show you the city and but also i want all of our listeners to remember we were remote before it was cool and we've been doing this podcast remotely for a while uh all right so let's get into it World Sick Organization had a busy 2021. We did a lot of really cool things. Um, Harmon, what's one thing that you saw the WSO did that you were just like, that's that's what I'm going to remember WSO 2021 for? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the things that has become one of our strong suits over the past several years is, you know, especially advocacy on behalf of the community when it comes to um, you know, issues that we face uh, in terms of, you know, stereotyping, um, demonization by certain things. But who would have thought that it would translate into, you know, politicians kind of coming at us uh, and as it relates to, to COVID without having a nuanced or understanding of the reasons why we saw higher rates within our community. But, you know, what, what, how did the community respond? And, and I think that was the really heartwarming part where WSO stepped up to actually lead the charge uh, to help ensure that we got vaccines to people where they were. And to me, that that was, you know, probably one of the the things that I'll remember from 2021 was um, the vaccine clinic that uh, WSO had done in conjunction with uh, Ontario Calcio de Bar. And, you, you know, you, you worked pretty intimately on that project. Um, and I would love to hear kind of more of how that kind of came about and, and how that was received. Yeah, I was a bandwagoner. I was so excited that it was happening. All the work was done by Kirpa and Charanjit Kaur and Jaskaran Singh. And that, um, we also got some shout outs in the Toronto Star. Jaskaran was profiled under 20 people who took on the biggest job of the pandemic and helped Ontario get its shots. Um, so Jaskaran talked about the work that WSO did and the sick community did. Um, and then I showed up on on the first day and I, I got a cool t-shirt and I, I got to help out. But um, it was really, really great. Um, I think you can't talk about 2021 without talking about the pandemic, unfortunately. It was, uh, like what you said, it's really difficult to see what we know to be systemic discrimination turn into these really tangible impacts. And to see uh, the community in the GTA, in Peel, in Brampton, in Malton, in Mississauga, to see our people hit harder uh, because we hustle more, because we, and it there was, sure, all of those negative stereotypes came out as well, right? Why are there higher rates in Brampton? Why does Brampton look like this? People weren't willing to talk about the fact that Brampton is where your truck drivers come from. Brampton is where your Amazon warehouse is. Um, I get so defensive when people think that pe- that 
Bramptonians are just not following the rules. Uh, so while we were a community that was doing more frontline work in the pandemic, and we were also teachers and also nurses and also doctors and also like in every essential profession, the amount of support that should have been there wasn't there. So we didn't see folks get priority in terms of um, getting vaccines. And so this was really, really cool that we had the ability to to do a vaccine clinic in the Gordora. And Dixie Gordora cleared out the Langer Hall. If you know Dixie Gordora, you know, like kind of the back gym where you might eat your like pakore if you come for a wedding. Um, I think it's called the Jiswans in Kalura gym now. They, and they, they all set up everything in there. It was my <clears throat> first experience with the vaccines and it was in that in that sense, and it was so intense because there was security, police officers, uh, so much protocol. There were nurses, there were folks from the hospital. To balance all of that um, with sick principles was so interesting to see it go down. So, for example, there was, um, you know, the Gordura is open to everyone, but no one can tamper with the vaccine. So all of a sudden you have to like literally close doors and barricade things and make sure nobody um, gets in there and does anything to it. Balancing like, you know, everyone has to take their shoes off when they come to the Gordwara with um, having folks from the uh, every aspect of the community come in, having people who, and in the gym we do keep, we have a history of keeping our shoes on anyways. Um, things like, um, keeping the integrity of the Gordwara being open to everyone. So even though this was to be accessible and it was put in the Gordwara, so it was accessible to the community, having the vaccine available for anyone who wanted one, like anyone was welcome to come to walk through the gym and, and get their vaccine. So seeing those like sick principles and come into fruition in this like very real situation. And the other thing, and I think I, I've said this before too, we are a community of doers and the um, committee uncles at Dixie Gordura, like the, those uncles, I've seen them organize so many things. And in so, in, a, in so many ways, we were built for this. We had the space, we had the capacity, we had the energy, we had the resolve. Um, that is, it, it might seem like a big deal to have like a max, mass vaccine clinic, from Gordura logistical perspectives, it was a fraction. If you go in the summer and there's weddings and there's like four weddings going on, sending the right bride to the right groom and making sure that the pakore are set up and making sure that the langaras have, like this was nothing compared to that. The Gordura has <clears throat> organized so many bigger things than this. So everyone was so um, sick of being at home, sick of feeling helpless, jumped at the opportunity to do this. There was so much energy. There were... Um, it was like a mila. The uncles were, you know, if too many people got in line, they were shouting at people to stay in their cars, but then also driving around, you know, donuts and coffee to everyone in their cars, but also like cha and barleji biscuit to the uncles that didn't want the donuts and coffee. And all of the staff was fed. Um, the folks that came from outside of the community all got food. It was, it was really, really great, really energizing. Everyone stayed safe. Um, it really, like, I'm not going to lie more than once I got, I got kind of choked up, um, watching it all go down. But in terms of stats, uh, we had 400 volunteers and we gave out over 5,000 shots and I got to see people who, you know, don't necessarily, the things that 
you and I might take for granted, um, going somewhere, showing a health card, communicating in English, being able to leave contact information. Uh, those are very, those are very simple, seemingly simple things that, you know, you don't think about it. Like, and then seeing folks who have more barriers to access, um, who we turn to for everything might not have had a health card, a mailing address, contact information, the ability to speak English. And so to, to have that at the Gurdwara, that was really powerful. And then in one of the second shifts I did for the second doses, um, I had the chance to do translations. And so I, I did get to like sit with those families that didn't speak English and those folks that didn't speak English. And those, some of them were students, some of them were truck drivers, legit, some of them were like full raggi jathas. Um, very, very humbling to help them navigate the healthcare system. And I was just in complete awe of the way that it was done in, in this like real Sikhi way, which is like, this is for everyone, um, no matter who you are. And I don't think that would have been possible, certainly not with a WSO, but like to quote Sharanji Kora, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We could never have done this without all of our Gordwara people. Yeah, that's so, so, um, you know, amazing to hear. And um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention some of the, you know, the, the vaccine clinics that took place um, in other Gordore uh, across Canada, including in Surrey. Uh, you definitely during the pandemic saw uh, a lot of Gordore, uh, you know, kind of embrace the idea of being community spaces. Um, and I think, you know, this, this push this year during the pandemic to really advocate for culturally centered care is an important ongoing conversation that needs to continue to take place across this country. Um, there are so many gaps and the pandemic and its response from public health authorities really just reminds us of um, how far we have still to go in dealing with ensuring that people have access to care or, or health care um, that's appropriate um, and, and that can reach them um, where they are. So for me, I think that's the success of the OKD and WSO clinic shows that the community can be a partner in those conversations and can actually help to ensure that we can uh, provide culturally uh, centered care. Yeah, it was, I mean, there was, I think there was a lot of um, fumbling initially with how to have an equitable distribution. Um, I have never been a part of a pandemic before. I don't know what the what role equity played in previous conversations but it was really hard to balance um who should get it first how should this happen and i think a lot of decisions were made initially that weren't supporting and weren't you know connecting with data and weren't actually helping things and then i did see an equity lens i did see um you know, folks who are coming here as seasonal laborers for farmers, like for they were they were getting tested and getting vaccines at the airport. Like that's the kind of stuff. And unfortunately, some of them passed away from COVID as well. And like I, I did listen to some of those voices that were talking about those horrible situations. But to see equity in the rollout, um, that was really great. Um, I think for the first time in my life, I saw Brampton get the respect that it deserved once they got the conversation away from the victim blaming and racism. And since then, I've actually seen uh, Brampton in like really positive news stories, which I don't think I, I'm sure they existed, uh, but they weren't, they weren't that common. Um, so to, yeah, it's, it's always really beautiful to see six recognized, to see immigrants recognized um, and to see culturally sensitive services. So that, 
yeah, that was our big, one of our big things from last year. Um, I think here's another one that we talked about quite a bit on the podcast, disinformation. Um, we did like a big report about disinformation. And so what's your like generally, what's your feeling about all of the stuff that went on last year about disinformation? You had a chance to look at the report. What'd you think? Yeah, I think it was really timely. Um, so the report came out earlier this year, uh, and it, it was interesting. It, it, it kind of coincided with what we saw, um, you know, in the political context. I don't know if you recall, but um, Liberal MP, former Liberal MP Ramesh Sunga, had been making, you know, some kind of some dangerous accusations at one of his colleagues um, at the time, MP Navdeep Bass. And, you know, we, we kind of highlight um, some of the, um, disinformation or misinformation as it related to targeting um, Mr. Bass and his resignation at the time. But, you know, you saw MP, an MP in this country of the ruling party um, spread um, what we would call, you know, conspiracy theories, you know, dangerous rhetoric. And so for us, you know, publishing the disinformation report to continue to highlight um, some of the problematic nature of, you know, media um, and the narratives that come out of India is really important. I mean, this is this is kind of critical WSO work, um, you know, is to really shine a light on, you know, past interference by the Indian government, but, you know, the ongoing um, anti-Sikh dis- disinformation campaigns that are targeted to Canada. And, and in particular, I mean, last year, you know, we really, we saw the MLI report, um, which really kind of kicks off, a, a, you know, kind of a more intense lens from the, the diaspora. But in terms of creating a resource that can be utilized, um, you know, more by the mainstream, I think this this report kind of covers a lot of the good history and the recent history when it came to, to a lot of these issues. And the farmers' protest really became um, a flashpoint of where we saw, you know, this, this clear... Um, for a lot, a lot of people, they they saw a clear bias in narrative in the reporting of of the of the morcha. So you know it, it's really important, and and I think I would encourage everybody who's listening to our podcast to read the the disinformation report and help to propagate and help to spread it, so that we can continue to fight against um, anti-Sikh propaganda uh, and and kind of bring awareness to the networks that exist to malign um, Sikhs uh, across the world. Yeah, there were so many, there's so many things that are like when I think when we get one validating story where we're like, oh, here's this root of disinformation and aha, we knew it. Um, that's we do them like one at a time over the course of the year with the podcast, but the report really captures everything all at once. And there's so much um, energy, there's so much uh, thoughtfulness put into how six are going to be maligned in Canada. And so we've covered things like, I think in the, might've been the last episode when we talked about the Twitter accounts and how they were sock puppet accounts and how those were used in the farmers protests. Um, We've talked about uh, Trudeau's trip to India and how the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians reviewed that trip and saw all of the disinformation that was strategically a part of that. We've talked about uh, the the MLI report and the if you connect all the dots between Indian interests and a quote unquote Canadian think tank um, actually parroting the narratives of India the everything down to there's like a Khalistan radio station 
that's registered here in Toronto um, that belongs to the government of India. The government of India has bought out all of these um, Canadian-sounding newspaper sites. It's so thoughtfully done and it's so uh, prolific. And not only is it something that's happening to our communities, other diasporic communities are also targeted in Canada. And you can see the pathways of disinformation once they're established are are pretty easy um, for other folks to follow as well. So I think that this report was good, not just because it took all of what we knew and put it in one place, but it also, um, to, it, it's useful for understanding how other communities are treated as well. So it's called, again, take a look at it. Um, it'll be on our World Sick Organization website. The report is called India's Disinformation Campaign Against Canada's Sex. So that was another big thing. Um, on a slightly more positive note, we did keep up our tradition of our Sikh Youth Leadership Institute. Uh, so Silly happened. It went online. Uh, we've done, Herman, have, um, have you been to any of the Sillies in person or online? Uh, so I was at the first Silly where it was in Calgary. Um, so just remember that this great institution was, was uh, born uh, in Alberta. Uh, and it was actually <laughs> okay. Okay, so I won't forget. <laughs> all things come, all great things come from Alberta, and in fact, it was actually um, Manmeet Singh Puller, the late Manmeet Singh Puller, who helped um, start uh, and, and and was able to get, grant us and get us um, a grant to to be able to start this initiative. And it's it's so heartwarming to see this continue on. Um, you know, all these years later, I think we're in their seventh year now of silly. Yeah, so it went, yeah, that is awesome. We So we went, yeah, it went online. Um, it took an online format. We get a lot of feedback um, every time we do it that it's got such strong um, presenters, such strong connections. If you're a young person and you're listening, just follow us on all of our social media. Whenever the application opens, we start posting like mad and asking people to apply. It's a really competitive program. And, you know, it's gonna, I'm manifesting it. The next one is going to be in person. The in person, uh, the online experience is amazing. The in person one is just to be able to sit and talk and learn and eat and be with folks who are so well versed in Canadian politics and lobbying in how to build community projects, how to do media work. It's really, it's truly something I learn from every time I have the chance to participate. So yeah, keep your eyes out for the next time in our 2022 Sick Youth Leadership Institute um, applications when they open up. We also, this past year, took on a lot of, so World Sick Organization does the, receives all of the media requests. We're kind of the go-to for when folks need a sick perspective on something um, and unfortunately that means that we it, we get a lot of stuff about uh, anti-sick hate we know that hate crimes are on the rise statistically they're higher than they've been before we saw this year things like the kamagata maru memorial defaced we saw graffiti in uh, outside the calgary gordwara we saw graffiti outside the Kalsa school in Brampton, um, we saw the security guard at a vaccine clinic being discriminated against. Um, do you think that these things are related to the pandemic? Do you think it's just more, do you think it's related to other? I mean, we've been 
six have been very heavily put down with Bill 21. Um, what do you think was going on this year? You know, I, I that's an interesting question. Hard for me to kind of pinpoint, um, you know, an exact causation. But I think it, we definitely have seen where politicians in this country are willing to empower um, voices of, of bigotry or failing to condemn uh, clear uh, discrimination and clear systemic or, or institutional discrimination leads to the space uh, where people will, may feel emboldened to actually go ahead and, um, you know, commit acts and, and these heinous acts uh, of hate. Uh, I think, you know, hate crime in this country is on the rise. Uh, we saw that pr prior to the pandemic. You know, we're finally getting around to, you know, agencies across this country acknowledging hate crimes, willing to actually use the legislation that exists to persecute. Again, f still failing to do it um, uh, in a meaningful or impactful way. We've seen cities try to step up uh, to try to, you know, ticket when they have issues like this. I think, you know, there's a role for every level of government to play. But, you know, I'm going to share a quick little side story. And, you know, recently in Alberta, um, a prominent conservative activist, Ted Byfield, who had written, um, you know, he's, he's kind of a kind of a seen as a uh, one of the founding architects of some of the philosophy behind the modern conservative movement. He passed away in the last few days and he was being lionized by a lot of the conservative politicians across this country, including by Alberta's premier, Jason Kenney. And this man was a hate monger. This man mm. was um, hateful towards LGBTQ. Uh, now, in, in the days after his death, uh, talk about how great of a man was. Um, you know, again, we're continuing politicians in this country. Uh, bigotry and and whitewash you know racist history i think until we can have real courage from prominent voices in this country to speak out in in a meaningful way I, i'm tired of hearing politicians just simply offer their thoughts and their prayers when these situations continue to happen and actually give us some actionable outcomes it is frustrating it is absolutely unacceptable and i think people have had enough and they sh and you know i think that is a completely justified response um that they've had enough we can't continue to to ask or or beg for politicians to take these issues seriously you know they are the ones who at the same exact time are willing to appease the voices of hate and i think for canadians um we we, we need to we need to demand better I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think we've we're often asked to come to the table for anti-hate initiatives, and uh, I think it looks good when you have an anti-hate roundtable or conference or consultation. It looks good to have six there, and it's really frustrating when those uh, tables or consultations are coming from political organizations because. They're like, well, what can we do to reduce hate? And my, I want to say, and I guess I'll say it here openly, is stop, stop legislating the conditions that allow the hate. Stop making it okay for us to be hated. You know, Bill 21 has said what folks might have been saying, might have been ashamed of saying, or might have, it's not that racism didn't exist, but people weren't as comfortable saying it out loud. And now it exists. And not only is there a push for it, from certain politicians, there's an absolute silence from other politicians. So there is no resistance in the political sphere, except for folks saying over and over again, oh, well, I'm against it personally. Um, six ended up on the list of terrorists in the public safety report. That happened through 
intelligence and it happened through the government it was published by the government and then it was retracted by the government um don't come pouring money into diversity initiatives on one side and then on the other side keep legislating conditions for creating hate against us i think it's a pretty yeah i'm with you i'm with you with that just i'm kind of over it it's not that hard stop consulting just change what you're doing um all right so you know uh, let's let's wrap up with a with a couple of uh, good news things that we did um and i think like just just wait in terms of like changing the narrative we did again for the second time we did the hashtag they live here uh did you participate you want to share a little bit with folks what the hashtag they live here was yeah i think um so really important for us um one of the big events that drew me to the for, to the World Sick Organization was the June dinners that commemorated, um, you, you know, the Battle of Amritsar, um, 1984. But you know, it's really important for us to recognize, um, you know, Sikh genocide and what took place in in, in November um, of 1984. And, and I think the initiative um, hashtag they live here, where we we recognize, um, you know, the the the, the massacre of of, of six. Um, is really, really important and, and do it by by uh, candles outside of our houses and, and acknowledging um, th that I think is really important. And yeah, you know, I, I think we sent in our, our, our photos, um, you know, my wife was on it. Um, I, it. It's one of those things that we've seen a, a great uptake on, you know, great appreciation from the community of something that especially during a pandemic where we're all kind of distant from one another, but allowing us to use social media to come together as a community, uh, I think is really important. And, and this is one of those initiatives that, that especially during um, this period of time has kind of galvanized um, that com you know, community to come together. I think when, um, so we, we did it around, uh, yeah, to commemorate the genocide in November and to, to say like at that time we had to, not say that we lived here because folks were literally trying to kill us and now we reclaim that and we say that with pride um again shout outs to the gordwara uncles who gave wso the space to speak during the vali so right after this campaign and asked specifically asked could i speak to what was happening in indigenous communities and uh this past year we also what folks what indigenous folks have been telling us forever that their children never came home um we started to see the uncovering of these mass and unmarked graves and so i like I, i'm at this moment at the gordwara we've done the they live here campaign and it's the body and i'm thinking about like what does how the the connection is there and how do I connect the dots in this chance that I've been given? We will never understand what it means to be indigenous in this country. And we will never understand that fully what it means to have experienced genocide on this land. There are connections and there are places of solidarity, empathy that are so deep. And I've heard um, survivors of residential schools. So WSO does work um, with Council Fire here in Toronto to we're working to put up a, a memorial in downtown toronto for survivors of residential schools and we participate in this event every summer <clears throat> and hear the stories of survivors and i've heard survivors who said like you know folks would come to get us to take us to residential school and we would hide and we uh, my grandma would hide me here my auntie would hide me here and and to see a community take so much pride in who they are and to be so resilient 
um, I think like that was my moment of connection and and being a settler on this land and and making it about more than myself and my community and what we had gone through and finally being here on this land and being able to light a candle outside my door and say, I'm here and I'm not scared. And at the same time to say, but I'm on this land because there was a genocide on this land and, and to actually actively use that my experience as a point of empathy to connect with someone else and their experience it was I, th I thought it was just a really really great way to celebrate the body um but also just really cool to see again like gordoras and committees and like places where we I have a bias where I would think that that's not something that they want us to to talk about to have them ask for us to share that they live uh, the the we live here campaign and to to the sorry they live here campaign and to link it into what's going on in the larger Canadian context was really cool and then uh, in terms of uh, the last thing in the year in review really really awesome we I know that uh, we've talked about on this podcast like oh uh, cabinet picks and and new folks who are coming in. In, in the election, um, we had our World Sick Organization board renewal. Um, so whereas it's not going to be as exciting for folks who don't know our team, um, we did have some really cool, uh, some, so we had some really amazing people who put all this energy in and like did their board terms and we celebrate everything they did and are grateful for them for finishing their terms. We're bringing in a lot of really cool people. Um, do you add, I, we're not going to do it the same way as we did with cabinet picks. I'm not going to be like, oh, who do you think is a, who do you think on the WSO <laughs> board is going to do a great job? But um, you continued on, on the Edmonton board. Y'all got a strong team out there. Any thoughts about all of our, our new changes in the World Sick Organization? Well, I think it's really important. And I want to link this to kind of um, the Sick Youth Leadership Institute and Silly. Um, you know, so much in our community, we always hear from an older generation, which, you know, Kind of implores young people to become leaders, right? Um, you, you've heard the so many of us have heard this, you know. Oh, kalu tosi leader banana, you know, leader banana ni hai. They're they're grown, they're um, you know, they're nurtured. It's cultivated. It's a it's a sets of skills that you want to impart and support. Um, and I think Sikh Youth Leadership Institute really came from a place of, you know, wanting to cultivate a sangat. Um, where people could support each other to do great, amazing things. And one of the, you know, the offshoots of that has been this great board renewal that has happened um, as a consequence. We've seen so many um, people and participants of Silly now become board members. For for so many of us who were there when, when Silly was launched, that is probably the greatest, um, you know, success that we like to celebrate is seeing, you know, how so many of those young people who had connected through Silly have now gone on to become board members and really the leaders of the organization moving forward. Institutional um, renewal and change and inclusion are so important. Um, for organizations like the World Sick Organization. And I mean, when we look at the demographics of our board, um, I think we're more than 50 50, um, you know, female. We're mostly, fe we're mostly female board now, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we're, it's quite a, a young, dynamic board. Uh, I think, you know, myself and, and, and you and a few others are probably some of the older members, uh, Dr. Yeah, Bell on the board, uh, you know, which is a great thing. And, you know, 
there there really is this feeling and this passion of of being on 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 the board to to accomplish something but also to really kind of cultivate the next generation of leaders in our community and that's really really important for any organization and i would love to see you know gurugad and other sikh institutions start to understand the value um in seeing renewal and i i, I know that at the wso we were we were empowered by a generation previous to us that really believed in this and it's something that we need to continue to to promote and push yeah so if you want to check out our full new board uh we posted it in all of our social media handles you can also find it on our website um we're very very excited to have our we had an amazing senior vp of jinder Kaur, uh, who completed her term and our now senior like nationwide vp is sharanjit Kaur who is an Ontario person. So I know we're getting a lot of Alberta respect. So I want to throw some Ontario in there as well. Very excited to have uh, Sharon Brown be such a strong leader. We have a lot. It was really funny. Like we're, we were trying to, as always, like it'd be intentional and create balance in the board and make sure that we have representation from international students, young, old, across genders. Um, and we did end up like a little female heavy. And then there were some like, oh, maybe we should get some, you know, maybe some more token men in here. Uh, but <laughs> rest assured, all of the men on the board are qualified. They're not just there. <laughs> they're not just there because they're men. They are really good at what they do. We're very, very proud to have them as well. Um, and our our fearless leader at the Jinder Singh um, is our president for another term. He has, I mean, the just made WSO so stable and has financially and worked on the this month program and we've done so much great work under his leadership so yeah very excited for the new board and to keep going and, and I'm very excited to have back our former president uh, Mukbir Singh back on the board uh someone that we should recognize for for really some fearless advocacy in in, in the past um and, and someone that I really look up to as a leader Looking forward, so we t we covered what happened last year. What's going to happen in this coming year? So we've got um, some key predictions. So let's let's do this in two parts. Let's talk about um, some big sick Canadian political moments, and then let's talk about what we think we're going to see in the coming year. So farmers protests. I think we've been talking about it um for a while we we saw not only a huge um like historical moment coming out of Punjab coming out of India it felt like it was connected to just everything worldwide but we also saw it happen here in Canada we also saw it become a really big Canadian political moment here we saw this like huge reaction by the young folks here International students are game changers, have changed the dynamic of Canada. I think so much of the energy of the farmer protests here came from international students. Um, but that, we're, we're like, what do you see happening now? So we we finally saw, we saw Modi repeal the um, bills, and then we saw the farmers stay on the ground for a while, and then the farmers had more conditions, and then we saw them celebrate and pack up and leave. So this is kind of where we find ourselves in 2022. How is this sitting with you? You know, I think one of the um, kind of untold or, or lesser told stories of activism from our community um, that some, you know, that I think 
in the diaspora we can really learn from is the successful fight of, of taxi drivers in New York. Um, and I don't know, Jesper, if you really follow this story, um, and in particular, one young activist, Jocelyne Gore, who was motivated to actually run for public office. Yeah, um, yeah. So Jocelyne Gore, you know, her father had been a taxi driver for decades. Um, but, you know, when the market had crashed, these medallions that were leveraged, massive amounts of debts on them, um, her family had to actually rely on food stamps and she had to drop out of university. And that really drove her to run for political office. I mean, all, she was unsuccessful in, in, in the election itself, but um, they went on to a 45-day strike that actually led, and, and 40% of the members of the union are actually Punjabis. And they actually won, um, you know, in that in that battle. So much of, of the fight and the struggle in this country when it comes to things like, you know, uh, a living and, and a wage and... Um, especially from an equity perspective, I think looking to the success that they had there, here's that's an industry that across Canada is dominated by, um, you know, the Sikh community or the Punjabi community. And seeing, you know, the success that, you know, the Kassans had, the success that those taxi drivers had, uh, really should continue to kind of motivate um, our community to push, uh, you know, third-party activism, push um, when it comes to organizing and, and being on the ground. That to me is is the big takeaway. Obviously, Punjab starts to always descend into kind of a regular pace of of um, politics. You know, we saw it with the India Against Corruption movement. What happened with OP? This, you know, kind of the the sidestepping of it. Um, now we're seeing with this with the Kassan unions. You know, you've got um, Rajal and, and his crew who wants to go and, and contest elections. You got some of the bigger unions, Kassan unions, saying we're not going to be part of this. Again age-old kind of situations, but, you know, I think people feel more and more empowered um, to fight against the system. And I think that's really important as we kind of come into a year of 2022, where in Canada, at least, you know, the Bill 21 fight is is really starting to ramp up. Um, there's a lot we can learn from from both, you know, just lean core and the taxi drivers in New York City, uh, as much as we can learn from, you know, a lot of what, what happened in with the Kassan Morcha uh, in India. This is I'm yeah, this is my big thing for for looking forward to 2022 bill 21 and I'm so excited and so proud to talk about this and I don't know if, if, if folks have gotten in enough from my talking about how much I love Brampton, um, but Brampton showed up and Brampton has showed up before um, and if you think municipalities can't do anything that's uh, I mean, I would ask you to reconsider bill 21 is a secularism law in Quebec and it's Quebec centered and federally, um, you know, federal leaders have not been pushing back with the tools they have at the federal level. Actually, quite the opposite. Um, Justin Trudeau actually said this is something that private citizens can fight as well as the federal government. And it is actually been the private citizens that have been fighting this, right? Like where WSO has been taking on this challenge, NCC. CM has been, National Canadian Council of Muslims has been taking on this challenge. Other organizations and individuals have been taking. So I'm sorry, Justin, we did not need to be reminded that private citizens can take on this fight because we have been doing that. Y'all need to be reminded that you can fight this at the federal level as well. Um, so this, um, yeah, uh, municipalities took a stance against Bill 21. Brampton previously invited folks who, you know, might have had to leave Quebec to keep practicing their faith, invited them. 
to come move to Brampton and get jobs there. And then they put their money where their mouth is. And they put forward a financial commitment to uh, funding the legal challenges against Bill 21 and brought and, and challenged other cities to join in and also put some money forward. And uh, what, what are some of the other cities that showed up? So I think, you know, you look across this country, Victoria, Winnipeg, Calgary, Markham, small towns, uh, Milton, you know, had all kind of came out fairly shortly afterwards and said that they would fund this. The disappointing part is that, you know, you had to understand that there was going to be some pushback and we expect pushback, but you saw it in places that I think you didn't expect. And especially in the West, where in Calgary, you had, you know, Mayor Jyoti Gondek almost immediately uh, accepting the challenge thrown down by Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown, um, get pushback from conservatives in that city um, saying that this was not a good use of taxpayer money. Um, the Canadian Taxpayer Federation, which is this, um, you know, kind of, opaque um, lobby, very influential, highly uh, covered in the media for whatever reasons, not clear to me how they get such outsized coverage, but very important to the conservative movement, come out and say that this is not a good use of public funds. Yet in the same breath, in the same breath, conservatives in Calgary are are attacking Jyoti Gondak for a deal where the Calgary Flames were going to get hundreds of millions of dollars in a public handout for an arena and a downtown entertainment complex. Yet somehow conservatives have now abdicated what their previous position was in terms of, you know, religious freedoms in this country and saying that that is not a worthwhile cause to even spend $100,000, yet millions and millions of dollars in corporate handouts uh, are justified somehow. Um, you know, I think it's a complete sham. You saw this week, or, or sorry, a few weeks ago, where the conservative leader Aaron O'Toole had asked his members, his caucus members, to stop commentating on Bill 21. It shows you that ultimately, you know, I I, I, I applaud um, a lot of the MPs who spoke out, who've been completely fearless in their advocacy on these issues, you know, but yet you see leadership in this country always back off. And, and so for municipalities to take up that space, fill up that space was so heartwarming. But even in Edmonton, you know, um, we, what, we, what have we gotten so far uh, in a big city uh, such as my own, which is, oh, we, we need more consultation. Um, yet, you know, consultation was done two years ago when the city council passed a resolution condemning Bill 21, but now being asked to back up uh, symbolic gestures or empty rhetoric with s substantive action, um, you see politicians run and hide and hide behind more consultation. So seeing Patrick Brown be so fearless, get in the media, start challenging other mayors across this country, that is the type of leadership that people are dying for. And that is what people want to see when it comes to standing up for fundamental rights and freedoms in this country. Any politician who fails to do so has absolutely exposed themselves. Um, this is such a, a, a no-brainer um, when it comes to um, when you look at your charter. Yet, uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's been very disappointing uh, and still in so many circles. I mean, yes, I think, you know, there's been municipalities have all stepped up. But after that initial wave of excitement um, and momentum, a lot of it is starting to die down. And even Calgary, they're starting to reevaluate. So the motion they ended up passing didn't actually include funds. Um, that was extremely disappointing. But, you know, that means that the work and the fight falls back to organizations like WSO and NCCM, which we've continued to do and we can only do with the support of our Sangat.
Yeah, I think we were we were very excited to have sick mares um, when, especially when Jyoti Gondak was elected. And I, this is not a at all. She's in an impossible position, but I think she did initially come forward very strong and say she supported uh, Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown's challenge. Uh, and to to be clear, when when you look at budgets for big municipalities, um, putting forward money, I think the math for the Brampton pledge came down to a few cents per citizen. And I'm sure if you like got on a uh, radiothon, the the community would have put that up, no problem if needed as well. But it, it municipalities have such an important voice. I think that they they really. Sh I mean, this was really great because it was a Bill Twenty One issue, but also just in terms of someone who is fascinated by how politics in this country work. It was just such a it was such a good moment for municipalities because folks don't, uh, I think we've talked about it before, like that's where I believe that's where a lot of the big change happens. And I don't feel like besides voting every few years or every six months under a minority government, besides voting every few years, I don't feel like I have that much power on the federal system. But I do feel like in municipalities, I know a lot more and I feel like I can do a lot more. Also, yeah, I'm just going to second what you said with conservatives. I doing the work that I do with WSO has made me unlearn a lot of my biases, political biases that I learned growing up, like actually sitting down with folks, breaking bread with folks, um, having conversations, doing the lobbying work. I have learned a lot about political parties and like, oh, this I thought you were this and it turns out you're that for better or for worse. Um, I truly did think that um, conservatives were the party of of freedom of religion and that religion was um and in a world where we you know pretend to be secular i say pretend because i don't think we're actually secular i think we're a very christian country where we pretend to be secular they were a party that would bring in religion and now when it's this this fundamental question of the freedom of religion it's power seats in quebec politics I mean, their their cards are on the table. All of those things are far more important to them than their own concepts of religion and honoring those things and other people. Um, so yeah, great moment for municipalities. Not such a great moment for um, for conservative and I mean all. I would say at the federal level, all leaders. You're it's it's really really clear what you believe and it's really really clear what you're invested in and it's really clear that that's just your own success in Quebec. Um, but let's do, uh, let's do one more thing. We're going to keep an eye on, um, for next year. And I'm going to say that that is, uh, six in Afghanistan. We have not forgotten. It's been such, a such like so much has been going on. We've been trying to keep our own family safe. We've been trying to help out folks in our sick and Muslim and Jewish brothers and sisters in Quebec. And we also have this group of folks that, we are connected to that our hearts are linked to um, the six in Afghanistan. What are you hoping that we 2022 will bring for six in Afghanistan? You know, in the past several weeks, we've seen um, Afghan six meeting with Taliban leaders to try to, you know, really secure their position and, and their, you know, momentary safety in that country. Um, my heart breaks every time um you know we, we see um their struggle and and just feeling that you know there's so much more that this country can be doing uh, to support you know such a vulnerable group of people and, and and 
you know, prior to what happened in August with the fall of um, the Afghan government and, and um, you know, the rise of the Taliban there, the, you know, we had so much time to actually help. Uh, and, and we, you know, we in this country, we, we, we failed. Um, and it's heartbreaking. So for me, you know, 2022, I hope brings us, um, you know, some real uh, substantive action in terms of seeing uh, the Afghans who are in Delhi, who are in India, who want to relocate to this country, uh, finally being being granted um, approval, arriving here, being able to start their lives, um, and especially their children, uh, children who, you know, have probably not been uh, able to, to be in school regularly uh, over the course of the past almost decade, uh, begin to, to kind of have a have a childhood again and, and, um, you know, have a, have a future. And I think, you know, that's all I can hope for 2022 is, is, you know, ensuring that the Afghan Sikhs and Hindus have a future. Yeah. There are so many stereotypes about refugees and there are things where people think like, Oh, they jumped the line. Oh, you know, I was born here. I deserve access to the healthcare system. They don't, it's this, it's that. Um, when you see the process, Canada very rarely, settles refugees we resettle them so you go from afghanistan to Delhi, you get to a, a safe place and then we're going to keep you in process for a year for two years for three years they are amongst the most vetted people who are led into canada there are so many barriers they have to prove they have to sign so many forms and prove so many things and the unique thing there are a lot of folks that need to come here from Afghanistan. The unique thing about the Sikhs who are coming from Afghanistan is that they have the Sikh community in Canada. They have the Meat Buller Foundation, they have World Sikh Organization, and they have the power of the Sangat waiting with open arms. They are not going to fall through the cracks. They are not going to be a burden on the system. They're going to be amongst the most vetted people that are allowed into Canada, and they are going to have a whole safety net and an entire community that looks out for them. So I am putting this out there with positive energy. 2022 is the year that we welcome more six from Afghanistan. Um, we have not forgotten about you. We are waiting for you. We are going to keep working with everyone we can. It is a part of, I promise, every time. And these are, these are not useful things because they're not actions. But I promise every time we meet with someone, we bring it up. Um, we are constantly fighting for this and lobbying for this. And, and 2022 is our year. We're going to get people here safely. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode of Ask Canadian Six for January of 2022. That's that's a lot to say. I can't believe that we are we're still in a pandemic, but we're still we're still strong. We're still in Jardikla. We're still here to serve the community. Please take a moment to check out some of these amazing videos we've shot, and you can see the history of a lot of the legal advocacy we've done. So. Wearing your kurban on a plane at an NHL game at a via rail uh, on via rail. That's all us. How did that happen? There are these short videos. They're very well produced. So please take a look on all of our social media platforms and check out some of these awesome videos. Share them with your friends and family. We're the only organization in Canada that does this kind of work. And at some point, every sick will benefit from the kind of advocacy work that we do. It doesn't help happen on its own. It happens with support of folks like you. Please consider donating once. Please consider donating every month as a part of our This Month program. And please keep listening to our podcast. Harmon and I will be here every month and we will keep filling you in on all of the great things that Six in Canada are doing. And it 
probably will be just as exciting as 2021 was. Well, stay tuned and we'll keep chatting. Bye, Gurjika Khalsa. Bye, Gurjiki. Bye, Gurjiki.